0: Right then is when our technician did an outstanding job, located those two subjects, uh, see where those individuals were, send patrol to those individuals.
1: Welcome to Shop Talk with your host, Chief Jeff Walter, and newly assigned to the community engagement section, transferring over from the training unit. Please welcome Public Information Officer Sergeant Allison Simpson. Hey
2: everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Shop Talk. I'm Chief Jeff Walter and. My trusty sidekick, thank God, is gone. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Kevin Kwan, who was Sergeant Kevin Kwan, is no longer on the show with us. And we have uh, immediately replaced him. Uh, with Sergeant Allison sempsis and uh, Allison's first gig with us today, the first podcast she's with, so welcome, Allison.
3: Thank you, Chief. Super excited to be here.
2: Uh, I know that's not true, but uh, <laughs> that's that's great. This is this is one of those parts of the job. Her new job is the public information uh, uh, office sergeant. This is one of her, the jobs. She's like, ah, you know, I really don't want to do that. I, do I really have to be part of the podcast? Yes. Uh, and so uh, well, I'm excited. I'm excited because yeah, I think you have some you have some great questions uh, lined up for our guest will I uh, will we'll identify in a minute special guest so uh, welcome it's, uh, I'm, it's I'm happy to have you i i I'm happy to replace uh, Kevin who did a great job and is now going to straight midnights <laughs> or you know midnights uh, as the new watch commander so he'll be having a a great time uh, in the middle of the night
3: i bet he's excited about that too (laughs) (laughs) he'll be great
2: (laughs) weekend midnights so hey enjoy uh enjoy the all the festivities of old town and and the entertainment district and uh, all the the fun and vibrancy and occasional complaints that come with that so and and not a lot of sleep so
3: he's too old for that he's not gonna be able to stay (laughs) up all night like he used to (laughs)
2: So uh, I'm just thankful for no more uh, battles. Hopefully, no more battles of the Star Wars versus Star Trek, all that kind of silliness. So
3: uh, absolutely not. I yeah, have no yeah. idea anything about. No, Star No, no.
2: So the so we're, we're going to significantly lower the geek level uh, on the show <laughs> moving forward with you as, as my as my sidekick. So um, welcome. I'm glad to have you today. We're, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk super top secret police stuff in uh, the real-time crime center and uh, I'm not going to go into at length uh, what the real-time crime center is because I brought in the real-time our real-time crime center supervisor Chris Henningsen and uh, we'll get to him momentarily and I've him introduce himself and talk about all the amazing amazing things that we're doing uh, with the real-time crime center and many many partners community partners city partners uh, that we have and, and how we're leveraging that to make uh, all of you safer in the city of Scottsdale whether you be a resident uh, a business owner, a one of the uh, 12, 13 million uh, visitors that come to Scottsdale annually. So uh, we're doing everything we can to make you safe. Uh, I like to always kick off our show with a, a message. Let's talk about uh, internet safety. It's internet safety month. And uh, you know, with the proliferation of the internet, thank God I didn't grow up with that. Uh, but uh, with the proliferation of social media and doing literally everything, uh, I'm guilty of that as well. I do everything on the internet now, uh, like everybody else. Um, internet safety is huge, uh, and paying attention to. Uh, your email and your social media accounts, your banking accounts, all of those things, because there's worldwide uh, hacker groups uh, and individuals who want nothing more than to steal your information, your identity, put it on the, on the dark web and, uh, and sell that for a profit. And so um, if, if they can get your information, your passwords, your banking information, they can get your money. So uh, make sure that you're, you're paying attention uh, and, and participating in two factor authentication, uh, that you're using the uh, random password generators. There's a ton of great apps out there related to um, not using, like me, the same passwords over and over and over again, although I think I add a lot of dollar signs, exclamation points, and numbers to them. Uh, but uh, just just pay attention to what you're doing. And, and I, I know I get preachy on this. I think I was on the Mike Broomhead show, I don't know, a year or so ago and and talked about uh, paying attention to what you're your children are doing on social media a lot of crazy things going on in social media Uh, a lot of different Mm -hmm. chat rooms private chat rooms uh, making sure that uh, your children are not being groomed uh, by sex traffickers and labor traffickers and 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 so uh, let's pay attention to what your what your your kids are doing it's not intrusion right
3: so many applications out there for the kids to get involved in that parents just need to be aware of
2: yes so internet safety Uh, it's a big deal Uh, the last thing you want is your identity stolen via the internet so.
1: join us today as we explore the inspiring journey of an exceptional individual starting as a cadet in 1998 then serving as a parking control checker and police aide and evolving to a crime analyst He's now leading the groundbreaking team of the Scottsdale PD's real-time crime center let's learn more about this perseverance story and the modern approach to law enforcement with the national president of the Real Time Crime Center Association and leader of the unit here, Chris Henningsen.
2: Excited to have everybody here today. Yes, Chris Henningson. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I know you're gonna just you know just let me sit here quietly, and you're gonna talk about Real Time <laughs> Crime Center. And uh, so, tell us about yourself, Chris, and uh, who you are, what you do, and how important you are to the Scottsdale Police Department.
0: Sure. So I started with the Scottsdale Police Department as an explorer. Uh, I think there's the, yeah, cadets now. Um, in 1998, with Officer Bolin, and uh, Bolin was a cadet. Yeah, we were together.
2: Gosh, I didn't realize that. Yeah.
0: Um, and then we had uh, one of my advisors at the time was uh, Jeremy O'Mara, and so uh, today him. a
2: commander of the McKellops District. Right. Yeah. He came a long way. He did.
3: Wasn't Sergeant Lovell involved in that as well at that same time? Yeah,
0: he was. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Small um, world. Yeah, very small world. Yeah, we, uh, I started then. And then in '01, I became a volunteer with the police department and volunteer in policing. And then in uh, 05, I uh, started as a parking enforcement checker. So I apologize if I wrote <laughs> the <tickets. laughs> It's kind of my job. Um, and then in uh, 06, I became a uh, police aide uh, for patrol. And then uh, about uh, 2010, um, I was uh, uh, an investigative police aide for our gang investigations unit at the time and assigned to, at that time, it was called the East Valley Gang and Criminal Information Fusion Center. And then um, a few years later, I uh, became a police analyst, still assigned to, uh, they changed the name at around, around that time to East Valley Fusion Center. And the East Valley Fusion Center is, uh, A partnership we have with the East Valley Uh, we have at that time there was about eight agencies Uh, so uh, throughout the East Valley that uh, participated with that fusion center and uh, we really just at the fusion center we really supported uh, each other for various investigations and various uh, operations throughout the East Valley so um, and then I was asked to come back by you to uh, come uh, set up our real-time crime center. That sounded
2: like blaming did i just get blamed i (laughs) I was asked to come back by you (laughs) well you were still part of us you were just assigned (laughs) as our liaison to the fusion center so yes i I was i was happy to come back i did ask you to come back
0: (laughs) this this is the funnest uh position i've ever had in the department
2: yeah yeah so what is that position so you you, we brought you back from the fusion center uh, to really start a uh, a pilot program right in in um, 2021 uh, about to see if if uh, a real-time crime center was uh, was an option for us. Correct. Let's talk about that.
0: So originally the pilot program was supposed to be for six months, and uh, we uh, I, w- I was a, a police analyst at the time. We had so many great successes by uh, providing great resources to the community that we shortened that pilot program to two months and went live as a unit after that. And, a unit of one uh, <laughs> at the it time. Get, it got close to one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so.
2: Unit of one.
0: With our real-time center, what we normally do uh, as we start and create units is we really rely on the associations that are out there to kind of help us provide best practices. And uh, during this process, there was really no association that helped or ha- was a- available for real-time centers And also during that time when we set up the real-time center, it was also during COVID. Um, And so with uh, most real-time centers that are set up around the country, we, uh, or those agencies will go do site visits to other real-time centers. We couldn't do that because of the COVID Mm -hmm. uh, element. So we did a lot of virtual meetings. We met with uh, a variety of agencies across the country, Las Vegas, Chicago, New York, uh, Miami PD in Florida and they were all outstanding help on, you know, how they set up their center and what we wanted to do. Scottsdale is unique, though. We're a destination-driven city, and so we really wanted to work with uh, agencies across the country that are destination-driven so that we can learn what we can do for our center. Um, a lot of centers are either proactive or reactive. Uh, our center is reactive. We, we support our patrol officers. We only... Uh, assist with active calls for service.
2: So let's talk about that. Let's take a step back uh, for our listeners who, who really you know, are, are don't really have a great grasp or concept of what a real-time crime center is. Because for those listening, that, that real-time crime center is a relatively new concept uh, for us in law enforcement. And you mentioned your, your time at the Fusion Center. We've had the East Valley Fusion Center for a number of years, and, and, and that is uh, many partners. But it's Scottsdale PD, Mesa, Tempe. Uh, Chandler, uh, uh, Apache Junction, Gilbert, uh, Salt Rivers, just to name most of them. It's it's really uh, that group, and it's about information sharing in one central location uh, to put out bulletins and, and uh, immediate information or investigative information on crime and crime trends going on throughout the East Valley. And so for me, that was like really a, a, a great thing. Uh, foundational component or a springboard to kind of what real-time crime centers do. I know that there's a lot of discussion that you can have both and we at least temporarily have both. We still participate in the East Valley Fusion Center. But let's talk about what a real-time crime center does and kind of that evolution of, hey, can we um, can we have a, a, an apparatus within a police department to address crimes in progress right now that patrol is responding to or and or investigative follow-up with information based on what's developed in the real-time crime center. Can you talk about what a real-time crime center is and does and then we'll springboard into what we're doing? Uh,
0: A typical real-time center across the country is really based on supporting that agency only. That is their whole job uh, 100% on uh, focusing on supporting mainly patrol. Um, So I'll give you a good example is someone calls 911 and they say the subject's over here on the north side of the intersection and we have a traffic camera that's nearby. We can now look at that intersection and say they say they went north. Uh, If we can't see anybody north from there, but we see somebody south from there, we'll ask the dispatcher, hey, can you have the uh, person call 911 point in the direction that they last saw him? And now we realize maybe that Person that called 911 had their directions wrong, and we can now direct patrol to the right area of where we where we actually see a subject that matches that description. And so, it allows us the opportunity to uh, 911. When someone calls 911, we're only acting on what we know is in that 911 call. Uh, When so dispatchers will dispatch that call. They're north. They were wearing a red shirt, blue jeans, and they ran north. Uh, with real time, we're able to actually put eyes, law enforcement eyes on the area, and we're able to provide real time information to patrol of what direction they're going, what we last saw, uh, the subject that is in the comments, we have identified that they're standing behind, uh, near a bus stop or, and now we're able to direct patrol right into that location, allowing them the opportunity to identify, do we need to add more bodies to this call? Do we need to decrease the amount of bodies in this call? Um, And it really helps the patrol sergeant start to make decisions as they're on their way to the call of, do we need to add a canine to this call or do we need uh, to ask a a regional uh, support for air unit or what other type of resources do we need? Most of those decisions for supervisor are made at the scene when they get there. Now they're able to make those decisions at the same time as they're on their way to that call.
3: So do you have somebody who's always monitoring it, or is it just when something comes up, somebody runs over there and starts looking at the cameras?
0: So great question. Uh, The goal is 24-7. We have staggered coverage right now uh, to really focus on the areas that are busier for us right now. And as we add more bodies, we'll continue to add them in areas that are the busiest part of the week for us. We do have seven-day coverage. It just doesn't look the same every day, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like you get into like a Saturday most of my coverage is toward the later part of the night where patrol really needs us. They really, they really need that extra support, especially in like the downtown area.
2: Yeah. And what's great is that they are dedicated real time crime center technicians who are at their consoles um, and and really leveraging the technology. And so um, we've, we've, it's interesting because I think in the last, uh, our last podcast, we talked about photo enforcement, right. And, 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 the proliferation of cameras, right? But when you talk about um, that response, right, and and seeing where the suspect is is headed, or what color shirt, or what vehicle is headed in what direction, or how are we doing that? That's the one thing that we haven't really talked, about. we haven't really gotten to yet. Because I think our listeners are like, okay, what do you, what do you mean you see them? Or you so talk to us about the cameras that we're leveraging because this is where we get a little dicey, and you know <laughs> we we. Um, and uh, the two years that we've been doing a podcast, we, we don't shy away from tough questions, right? We don't shy away from tough topics. And so what's interesting for this is that, you know, no, we're not London. Not a, don't everybody freak out. We're not, and you know, it's not big brother with cameras everywhere, but if we're honest with each other, there are cameras everywhere. Everybody's got a ring doorbell now or have nest cameras all around their homes, businesses, especially big businesses, your city, uh, you know, we all have, there are cameras. Real t- talk about how that is the primary component that we're talking about here when, when your real-time crime center technicians are uh, virtually responding to a call. How are they doing that? And what are, the, what are those partnerships?
0: Real-time center started in 05, 2005 with New York PD. Um, we have about, there's about a little over 300, almost 400 throughout the country. Uh, Here locally uh, in Arizona, we have Glendale, Mesa PD, Salt River, Pima, Maricopa Maricopa Indian Community. They have their own police department or their own real-time center. Um, And there's um, multiple other real-time centers that are actively being developed throughout the valley. So we're not just the only one. Uh, With our folks, uh, we spend a lot of, going back a little bit in regards to cultural service, we spend a lot of our time in pending events. So these are events that have not been dispatched to patrol Um, and why we spend that time in there is we want to be able to get uh, a few seconds ahead to try to figure out can we provide any resources to that call so as soon as it gets dispatched we're already uh, roughly involved in that area Um, in regards to cameras uh, we have phenomenal partners throughout the city throughout uh, community partners throughout the the, uh, Scottsdale area Um, we, we leverage city cameras Uh, So, that's through municipal security, and uh, there are cameras in all of our city buildings. Uh, We do have some cameras that were installed for the Super Bowl in downtown. Uh, We also have uh, traffic cameras that are based throughout the city, uh, and that's through a partnership with the uh, Traffic Management Center. Uh, A couple things to be aware of on that, Uh, those are owned by the Traffic Management Center, so if there's a collision coming out, we don't touch those cameras. We allow them to handle whatever they need to do for their business in regards to that. Uh, But we'll reach out to them every once in a while if we have a violent crime going on and say, hey, can we use your cameras for Mm -hmm, this violent crime? mm -hmm. And every time they've been extremely supportive. Uh, To kind of push forward to the community partner side, uh, this is really where a lot of community partners when we first started actually came to us and said, we've heard about your center. We want to give you access to our cameras. Um, we do a legal agreement with every single community partner that we have. And that legal agreement is signed by you, Chief Walter, and the president or the CEO or Mm -hmm. the senior leader of that company showing that we have legal right to be in their camera system. So in the event one of our technicians do see something that is a violent crime uh, that is supportive that uh, investigators might need for their investigation, there shows a need that we actually had a legal right to be in their Mm -hmm. their, their camera system Uh, for that uh, type of investigation.
3: But that makes it so the community knows you're not just hopping into their cameras and looking around or anything. (laughs) You actually have an agreement with all these people beforehand.
2: And you know, Allison, you bring up such a great point because so much of the discussion that that I've had, and I know Chris has had even more than that, is people who came forward and said, who just didn't really, they didn't really know. And they thought, well... Um, here's a big one is that one of our uh, several of our, our big partners like Scottsdale Unified School District, Cave Creek Unified School District, there's a lot of cameras. And so uh, I had a discussion with some of the board members. Uh, this is now a, quite some time ago um, with Scottsdale Unified and some qu- really good questions at one of their board meetings was, uh, are your people going to be looking at the cameras all the time? You know, are you going to be uh, is there going to be is there an access control issue? Is there are you going to be watching? And so the answer to that is no. We, we we are way too busy to just hey you know I got a lot of free time. I think I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to uh, zoom in on the food court of the, at uh, Scottsdale Fashion Square and see who's hanging out. Well, and that's Mace Rich and Scottsdale Fashion Square is another one of our major partners. Um, no, we don't have time for that. So the only time we're getting into your camera system. Um, including our own, including our own municipal cameras or traffic uh, cameras, um, Mace Rich for at Scottsdale Fashion Square, Scottsdale Unified, any of our many, many, many partners, the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Scottsdale, who are all partners of ours, the only time we're getting into your camera system is if there's a call either at that location or adjacent to that location where we believe we can pick up some camera footage uh, of an incident uh, going on right now or um, this is a really great one, did, did somebody, Pat, did a, did a suspect vehicle pass by a particular location and we can get into that devil in the details here uh in in just a minute but uh those partnerships i think are just amazingly essential and no we're not uh, spending time uh, looking at your cameras to see what cool stuff's going on around your place
0: so good point on that in regards to the cameras we're only uh actively watching them for uh active uh, calls we have law enforcement on your way to that location uh most of the time depending on the call but most of the time, we're our real-time center is actually calling that facility and saying, "Hey, uh, we're on our way to your facility. We're going to access your cameras." Um, and most of the time, they have no idea that we're even coming to their location. So I'll give you an example, like the the mall. A normal person can call 911 at the mall, and security has no idea that they call 911. And so we have fire trucks and ambulances and police cars arriving on scene. And I call security and say, hey, we're coming into your cameras. This is what we have going on. And they're like, we had no idea. Now they're sending their security to that location to meet us. And so it's a great partnership. They're starting their protocols for their business as well. So it it has been uh, phenomenal. We've had great partnerships. Um, and they actually really enjoy that opportunity of, hey, now we have a heads up of what's going on on our property.
2: Yeah, that's... Uh It's amazing, and we we are just really—I mean, really—I think just uh, scratched the surface of what we can do. You know, as we have begun um, really expanding our real-time crime center, the number of cameras that we have uh, involved in our program. uh, I see Chris laughing because he knows what I'm going to say. Because, you know, sadly, as the police chief, I wind up speaking at a lot of different places, and I love it. I actually do love it. Uh, That that community (laughs) connectivity. But when I talk about the real-time crime center. Uh, I say, I always tell people, oh, we, you know, we have 4,000 cameras that come in that we have access to that come into our real-time crime center. I think it's 3,972. Are, are we at 4,000? So my challenge always to Chris is, hey, I keep telling people we're at 4,000. When are you going to get to 4,000 and make me not a liar? So,
0: But hey, that's a great point. So if you're a community partner listening to this oh podcast, yeah, please reach out so I can get to my 4,000. We're pretty
2: close to 4,000 though.
0: We're getting close.
2: Yeah.
3: Can you name every single camera's location? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> and but. I know that soo- it should sound amazing to uh, you know those in our community who listen to our podcast is that um, 4,000 cameras. I mean, that's a lot of cameras. It's more than um, the vast majority of our other partners who have real-time crime centers in the Valley. And, and so... Uh, we've made, you have made, uh, you and your staff have made great inroads and great relationships. You have a great chain of command um, with, with Chief Gandara and and Director Bokinski. Uh, and just it's, you guys have just done some amazing things. But there's some really cool stuff that I get uh, excited about. And so can you talk about um, it's being a virtual partner uh, to officers on the road and how very often Not only are you on scene first visually, not in a physical body, but uh, visually you're on scene first. And then um, you can be a visual backup to uh, to an officer on the road, be it on a traffic stop or or a a community contact where they've contacted somebody along the roadway. Can you kind of talk about that and and how that um, increases their safety?
0: Sure. So we have three areas that we really focus on. Uh, Virtual response is being virtually first on scene or an actual call for service. So a call can come in at 12 o'clock and we're on scene at 12 o'clock. The second area we really focus on is virtual partner. Uh, those are the calls that you just don't know what's gonna happen. And so uh, we just recently had this uh, about a month or, two, month or two ago, we had a uh, patrol sergeant pull, a, pull over a car and uh, the car, as soon as they got up to the front door of the car, the car literally took, uh, took off. And we're, we watched it. We were able to help provide some uh, direction and some idea of where, where that car uh, left. Um, those are the calls that you just don't know how they're going to go. The patrol uh, su- supervisors or officers that walk up to a traffic stop um, or a check subject. That's another one. The check subjects. Uh, we've had a few where an officer goes and contacts somebody and thinks they're going to uh, have a conversation and then... Or something that they've just uh, committed some type of crime, and then they take off onto a foot pursuit, and sometimes the radio is very active. So we become the voice for that officer as they're doing their foot pursuit. Uh, so that's where the virtual partner element comes into play. And just recently, uh, with all of these real-time centers s- standing up throughout the throughout the valley, uh, we've re- we we've always we've continued our partnership with all the uh, various agencies around us because partnership is extremely important to our department. Uh, So we've really set up virtual mutual aid. Um, So we have uh, Tempe as a great example. They've been a phenomenal partner. Uh, They come into our city for like a stolen vehicle. Uh, There's only one or two officers with that uh, vehicle. And so we stay with them until the rest of their backup shows up or the rest of our backup comes in to help support them for that uh, stolen vehicle.
3: It's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
3: What other types of crimes have you seen on the real-time crime center.
0: So recently, uh, one of our technicians was uh, first on scene for a stabbing at Scottsdale Quarter, uh, and that was in the news. Um, and so uh, with that call, uh, there was a call that a security guard got stabbed. Um, the security guard actively went after the suspect and held the suspect down. Our technician was able to share exactly where that uh, victim and suspect were, and guide patrol right into that location and then stay with that officer until the rest of his backup showed up.
2: That is the coolest part of it is, is that, you know, a crime comes out and that's really the crux of it. That, that one call encapsulates what Real-Time Crime Center is all about for us and how we utilize that. And so, you know, when that call comes out, we have eyes on it right away. There is no, and i, I sorry, I hate to go back to the the bad days of the '90s, you know, when I was a when I was a patrol officer in the early and mid '90s, um, where yeah, you you went to a you got a call, okay, apartment complex, the mall, the quarter, and uh, hey, good luck. It's going to take us the first three or four minutes after we get on scene to find exactly where you know, at the mall, where is uh, where's the the blue garage, blue garage level three, and you know, parking stall seven hundred and fifty two. Yeah. Good luck. You got to find that with, with real time, you have, you're leveraging the cameras on all those locations and now you're directing, Hey, it is exactly right here. And so that's great. And I think it reminds me of when we were doing a, um, you and I were doing a quick video about real time crime centers with the Rocky mountain information network. And they happened to see, they were up in their, our real time crime center and happened to see a call. Come on. Can you, can you talk about that one?
0: Sure. So, that was a stolen vehicle. Uh, it We have license plate readers within the city. They're fixed. We're going to
2: talk about those in okay. a minute. Okay. <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> so, we have fixed license plate readers throughout the city. We had one at Scottsdale and Franklin right? and as the car entered our city, the car was entered in as a stolen vehicle. Uh, it was stolen from Phoenix uh, two days prior uh, with the keys left in the vehicle. And so, as soon as it Uh, triggered that alert. That alert comes into our real-time center. We verify that the vehicle is still stolen because sometimes they're not stolen. So we just want to make sure that everything's good before our patrol officers get behind that vehicle. Uh, So we verified it. It still was stolen. Uh, Our technician did an outstanding job on locating where that car was as a possible location, a similar vehicle, pulled into a uh, shopping center, Uh, She was able to direct uh, patrol to that vehicle. Uh, The vehicle then started doing evasive maneuvers, and we stopped uh, having any more contact with that car. Uh, About uh, 10 minutes later, that car decided to uh, start hitting cars along Cactus Road, which uh, resulted in multiple 911 calls coming into our dispatch center. Uh, And again, while all this is going on, that film crew was watching how everything was going on within our real-time center. So it was really... Uh, a cool moment for our technicians to see all the great work that they were doing. So I had two of them in the, in the center, and uh, they were able to pinpoint where that car was. They were able to help guide the last place that that, in, that individual left that car, uh, started running. Uh, our uh, technicians did a great job showing the last place where that we saw that person run. Uh, we had no more cameras beyond that point, and then patrol was able to uh, locate that individual and arrest him.
2: Yeah, it's pinpointing. It's, you know, here's where the, we last saw them on the last camera, and that really um, whittles down the areas they can be. So that one was a great apprehension. It just happened to be that they were doing a uh, a video on our real-time crime center when that call came out. So it really showcased what we could do, how quickly we respond to that. It was uh, was pretty awesome.
3: That's awesome. Do you get frustrated, though, trying to direct officers to the location? I would be like, no, 200 feet to the left.
0: They can't hear you. Your left, <laughs> not your right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll tell you, uh, it's cool because w- when you go visit districts to either do presentations or trainings, uh, when we first started, when uh, uh, Lieutenant omero at the time, now Commander O'Mara, we him and I, we, we did patrol briefings to all patrol briefings of this is what the real-time center is. We did five things. Now it's much more than five things. And we really sat down with each of them. This is where we're going. And most of them had that glazed look of... This is a new unit. I really don't know what anything yeah. is. Now when I go into uh, districts, they're like, as we get super, super excited when we hear you get on the radio to start directing us because yeah. most of the time we arrive on scene and we don't really know where these people are. And so we have to sometimes call them. And when you're on, when you're on duty, we don't have to call them because you're already directing us exactly where we need to go.
2: So let's, so let's talk about the backbone of I think any real time crime center in the United States, and and we're gonna t- for those listening, we're gonna talk about. Uh, you'll hear us refer to LPR or license plate reader cameras. Um, not a new technology. We've had license plate readers off and on uh, for the Scottsdale Police Department for for many years now, um, different versions. But uh, we now today we go with a company called Flock Safety uh, in our for our license plate reader cameras, and there are th- th- it's. It's not without some controversy, especially in my own home. My wife and I regularly disagree about this, uh, this topic, uh, but uh, license plate readers. So let me, let me give you, if, if, I, if this were a video, I would have Steve uh, throw up on the, on the screen my disclaimer here. This is my disclaimer is that uh, for those people who, who kind of bristle at the idea of cameras being out there and reading license plates, your license plate is issued by the state of Arizona. And so uh, that just gives you, you know, your registration number, who that car belongs to, who the registered owner is. Then that vehicle, so that issued, so that's a, that's a registration issued by the state of Arizona. And then that vehicle is operated on the public right of way. So it is in the public domain. I get people will say, I can't believe you're taking pictures of license plates. I get the same argument with photo enforcement, just in a different, in a different lane of travel there. Unintended. intended, um, and so so with license plate reader cameras, your cars are driving by with a government issued registration on a public street, and so we leverage that through license plate readers. What you ha- what you have is, uh, and we had uh, thirty eight license plate readers uh, cameras installed uh, just prior to the Super Bowl, really uh, really increasing our ability to uh, to prevent and, and stop crime in in, uh, in Scottsdale. And I think, Chris, you can, you can, I don't remember the exact numbers, but within the first, I don't know, uh, 10 days or up to that three week period, I mean, it was millions of plates that ran through the system. And what, what the system picked up was not only stolen vehicles, which you mentioned before, uh, but registered sex offenders and, 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 um, uh, warrants for the registered owner and you know i think we had uh, one or two that was gang or terrorist associations you know so so that is the information that we're gleaning moreover uh, when you're driving by or there's an incident somewhere and all we had is hey this red car this red sedan uh committed this armed robbery in this location and we don't have any other information well we can look on the the license plate reader cameras and say oh yeah around the same time The red car with a suspect in it matching that, you know, with that that vehicle uh, was southbound on XYZ Street. So it's an amazing, amazing piece of technology. So much so that we, between the Flock safety cameras, I think the four vigilant cameras that we have, and then through, uh, and we can talk about this at, at greater length, but we have homeowners associations now who also buy these license plate reader cameras for their developments. Uh, because there are there are burglaries from vehicles or home burglaries, and we 're connected to those cameras as well and I think we're at about fifty, but our goal is we're going to add another what do we say what do you and I say another forty two cameras uh, license plate reader cameras here in the next what 's my time frame when, when, when are you getting those for us
0: two two months roughly
2: two months so um, our goal really to have um, you know 80 ish that the city owns, that the PD owns, and then uh, leveraging other citizen-owned cameras or, or HOA cameras. So let's talk about that as the backbone. There's my disclaimer, a little long. I know I can get a little long-winded. That's my disclaimer about uh, license plate reader cameras. And really, can you talk to us about that being the backbone and what they do for real-time crime center?
0: So in regards to license plate readers, uh, every, every technology partner that we have within real-time center are that. They are partners, and we reach out to them to try to figure out how can we provide a better service to our patrol folks that we that is about 95% of our customers? The other 5% are detectives or communications that might need assistance, but a lot of our focus is patrol. And so we regularly meet with our partners to try to figure out how, how can we make this product better? You know, where can we go? What's next? Uh, so Flock Safety is an outstanding partner to us. And uh, with them, we're able to actually uh, try to figure out, you know, what, uh, what would help provide the best results for an investigation. We use Flock Safety like any other investigative tool. It's an investigative tool. We do not access that tool unless we have an investigative reason to be u- using that tool. Um, and, uh, and we have great policy on that, too. So just to uh, kind of ease the mind of the, the listener. Uh, in regards to the tool, though, uh, when we have a big event, when we have a major, we have a lot of great events throughout the community. We have a lot of partners that are with us too, a mm-hmm. lot of federal partners. Yeah. And if we have a vehicle that's driving by that's a gang terrorist hit, um, that's something they're interested in. And they they will then, you know, help provide some additional resources to why is this individual trying to drive around a major event. Right. Um, as far as sex offenders, we do have some hits on the registered sex offenders. Um, that's them going to their normal day of job, Um, and we don't do anything with that. Where we do get some alerts on is that when we haven't seen that vehicle before drive through our city and they're driving around at 7 o'clock in the morning and they're hitting multiple of our LPRs when our kids are at bus stops and their, their prior crime was something along those lines. Then we share that with our special victims unit, and they handle that. Um, in regards to uh, our 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 big case or a big support that we really look at is uh, missing missing people. So we had a uh, another great uh, hit uh, two two weeks ago. A lady uh, went missing from Phoenix, and uh, we had an outstanding officer that uh, really sat and dug in the area that we last saw that car. Found the car, um, and then went from business to business until she found the person, um, and it. It ended up being that uh, she just never got taken out of the system. Um, but again, we had an outstanding officer that did a great job digging to try to find that individual, and we were able to now take her
2: physically right. and out and in her digging, she utilized LPR data to say, "Okay, this is I can narrow it down to this particular location to to find this woman."
0: Correct. And then the other elements are if we have like a shooting from a neighboring agency, and all they had was a red truck. It was a red truck. I was involved in a shooting and now it's coming into our city. Uh, We are able to utilize a system to go red truck from these license plate readers that are near that city. And now we have a vehicle now that we can actually share with our patrol folks. It's the license plate of this, this and this. And we're able to either send patrol to that location. If it's in our city or at least advise another city that they may be coming home.
2: Yeah. I just want to, I just want to reiterate the point you made, which is again, we don't have the time to just be searching, you know, willy nilly through the LPR system for random data. This is uh, this is system is utilized for crimes in progress and investigative techniques for follow up on crimes that have already occurred. And so, that's how we're leveraging that technology. It is absolutely amazing. I will, I will tell our listeners that I believe it's a it's a complete game changer in law enforcement and how we solve crime, how we. I don't, want to, I don't want to get all minority report here, but it's, um, there is a predictive component of that, um, when you see you, and you mentioned it. If you see you know, the vehicle that's uh, to a registered sex offender and they're, um, they're sharking around schools at 7 o'clock in the morning, well, there's a predictive element to that to say, to hand that over to the special victims unit and say, hey, we, we might have a problem here. And we prevent that a problem before before it happens. And so right. there's a lot of great uh, investigative follow up through LPR and solving crimes in our community and our neighboring communities, be it uh, Phoenix or or Tempe or Mesa or Chandler or county jurisdiction. We really partner I think, very well together in uh, in LPR. And no, we are not uh, selling any data. Uh, Flock Safety <laughs> does not sell any data. They're they're restricted by statute uh, they can't sell uh, your data or the data of vehicles and where they are no we're not um we're not looking for people who are having affairs and in, uh, in areas of the of the city where they shouldn't be in the on their lunch hour or any of this craziness that i've heard people talk about before the data is all that we're using it for is uh, is crimes in progress and uh, and follow-up investigations for crimes that have already occurred so it's absolutely amazing uh, stuff
0: And then to the community partner aspect, there are a lot of community partners that are businesses that are starting to buy that uh, license plate reader for their business. So every time a vehicle does enter that location, if it is stolen and it lands in that business, we'll get that alert. And now we're able to start working with trying to figure out where that car is. So
3: So can you tell us about the association with the Real-Time Crime Center and how that got started, too?
0: There was no association when we first started our center. Uh, which meant we, we had to reach out to agencies across the country. And through those conversations, we all talked about there should be an association. And so uh, a few of us got together and we developed an association. I'm the president of the National Real-Time Crime Center Association. Uh, we have, um, we started, uh, we went live to our membership in August of 2022, uh, year to just recently a couple weeks ago. We're at a little over 500 members. Uh, we represent over uh, 125 law enforcement agencies, and we're in over 35 states uh, throughout the country. Uh, Chief Walters sits on our uh, Police Leadership Advisory Board. So.
2: It's good. Yeah, it's great. Huh? It's what is it? Is it the Executive Advisory Committee something like yeah. So, whatever. Whatever you call it. Who's the president of that uh, mm. National Real-Time Crime he Center just, Association?
3: He just said it. He just glossed right over he that. He just though. glossed yeah. right like, over it, right? Nothing was said uh. about it.
2: Yeah, you just you kind I of I did say it. I know, but it was very quickly. So, mm. no big deal. Um, just the president. Honestly, I want to give you uh, I want to always give you props, but uh, publicly you've done an amazing amazing job, not just with our Real-Time Crime Center, but you you've really brought uh, real-time crime centers to the forefront nationally, and 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 really building that national real-time crime center uh, organization is has just been absolutely amazing. So we we find ourselves largely because of you uh, as a leader in real-time crime centers, and it's it's uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Well, and the awesome part is I'm able to see what other agencies across the country are doing, so that we can start providing either best practices here or changing models or. Providing uh, new technology for our customer, our uh, patrol officers of you know what we can do to help them out, uh, and then the networking. The networking has been phenomenal, yeah. um, and, uh, and with our leadership advisory board, I think we're at fifteen people, um, and that's everly growing. Air. Uh, I I will tell you when I started with the association, I never assumed that every every week I would be talking to a different chief because most real-time centers throughout the country uh, start with the idea coming from the chief or somewhat near the chief. And then most successful real-time centers, the chief is always actively involved. Our chief is actively involved in ours. And so it really keeps a pulse on what we're doing and what we can change for our department. Um, With the real-time centers throughout the, throughout the country right now, the big thing is the virtual mutual aid on trying to figure out how, we connect, there are stolen vehicles, and when somebody somebody knows that they've stolen a vehicle, they don't want to be stopped. And so there is a chance when they leave our city, they're going to go to the city next to us. And so if we can try to figure out a way that we can kind of protect their community at the same time by sharing that information with the patrol officers or uh, real-time center in that area, uh, that's the next uh, evolving uh, switch. But uh, again, uh, more and more chiefs throughout the, throughout the country are actively trying to figure out how to develop a real-time center. And we uh, now have an association that will help them develop that real-time center instead of doing it completely by scratch.
2: So is there a is there a website if people want to know more about the NRTCC? Is that it? National Real-Time Crime Center Association?
0: NRTCCA.org.
2: I think you hit on one thing that I, I wanted to go uh Forward with is that where do we go from here? What's what's the what's the next latest and greatest? You know, as as we and maybe you can incorporate in this as we have rolled out uh, to patrol, we have drones in patrol now. We have drones in our tech unit. Um, we have drones that we bring to bear on a lot of different calls. We now have two tethered drones for uh, to, to get really some great operational coverage on a large scene. So um, what's next for us? And and are we able to leverage some of that drone footage? In the real-time crime center,
0: the drone first responder program. Yes, um, more and more agencies. Glendale has a phenomenal one. Salt River's really looking at uh, developing theirs as well. And so the goal with that is just like real-time of uh, putting cameras near an area to see if we have anything. Uh, sometimes we don't have anything because we don't have no we have no cameras in that area. Right. Having a drone in the air now we have another camera in the air um, that will allow us the opportunity to. Uh, feed that camera to our real-time center, as well as feed that camera to the sergeant that's on the way to the call uh, or at the call to see what what the big picture is. Right, right. Um, and there are a lot of privacy elements to that. Uh, most of these uh, drones, the drone just goes to the location with no camera facing down. It's facing straight so right. you can see where they're going. And then when they get there, then the camera goes down so they yeah. can kind of see what's going on for that area.
2: And that is truly, uh, I think that's the future. Drones as a first responder. Uh, we have looked at, um, my staff and I are, are uber um, technology driven uh, just because we're, we're, we're leveraging a lot of great technology. And drones as a first responder. We've looked at a couple of companies that are almost there. They're not quite there yet where you would map out the city and then have... Um, on city buildings throughout the city, you could have we, we looked at it, we could probably do the whole city with probably six drones centrally located or throughout the throughout the city. And when we got a call that was that was, you know, drone specific that we could use a drone for, it would get kicked over to real time. You would type in the address, hit go, and it would take off from the closest location where, where, where a drone, as a first responder, would go. And it would fly to that exactly how you're talking about. It wouldn't be looking down. It would take off. It would fly to that location. And then it would either hover or orbit over that location and give you a bird's eye view of that incident. And it could be something as simple as report of a collision at uh, you know Frank Lloyd Wright in the 101. Uh, great. Uh, I don't have an officer available at the time. Let's go take a look real quick. The drone gets there. Yeah. In the real time, crime center technician says, yeah, that's pulled off into the target parking lot. So two cars, here's where, I mean, something as simple as that, right? Um, and so that is the future. Today, um, we have rolled out six drones in patrol. And if you saw those in, in, in studio, Amazing, amazing, uh, life-saving effort by, the, by one of our drones night before last, and it was on a 70-year-old missing uh, dementia uh, patient who walked away from home, walked out into the desert. Nobody knows. Gone, nighttime, and uh, uh, officers got there, got a drone into the air, and our, our drones have forward-looking infrared or FLIR on them so they can see in the dark, um, and got overhead and ultimately found the drone and the drone pilot uh, officer Greg. Now uh, found found the guy under a bush, heat signature. He was injured, disoriented, dehydrated, and was able to to uh, direct the officers into where he was. And then uh, again with another p- little piece of not technology but piece of equipment that we carry, uh, threw him on the fast stretcher, a, a um, portable stretcher, threw him on that, took him 150 200 yards out and to, to where he could get medical treatment. But that absolutely saved a life and uh and just my goal really is to bring you know our drone capabilities together with our real-time crime center and make that a very seamless um seamless operation for us
0: and you touch on a good good point so although the real-time center is in the pd we help uh fire all the time uh we have an idea of where all the fire calls are going on and so a good example we had a fire down south we had one fire truck going We actually saw the flames are about 30 to 40 feet in the air. We called fire back and said, hey, those flames are about 30, 40 feet in the air, and they're they're almost close to a hotel. By the time that first fire truck arrived on scene, nine more were dispatched. And so, um, again, that first fire truck would be having the one making that call. But now we're able to show real time what's going on. Uh, The other element of where we're going is more community partners uh, to kind of base off of, I know a question was asked in regards to we did a uh, training exercise at Kokopawa Middle School. Uh,
3: we planned. That
2: was amazing. <laughs> I was there and watched that whole. It was terrific.
3: Yeah, but you guys ruined the entire thing. You like ruined how it. Know, it was. You, you ruined know. it.
0: But I will tell you, in all honesty, my boss was next to me. I told Commander Myers, "You, what do you want us to do?" And he told me, "Do what you guys do best." Yes. And so, um, our technician—he had only been in that system for maybe 30 minutes the day before yeah and so uh it was a great test for him too uh it was uh a very uh emotional overload once he uh actually consumed everything that he did in that 10 minute period you got to explain Um, it
3: from the start
0: so we we had two active shooters that uh
2: scenario scenario so we had a live major major active uh shooter scenario at coco paw middle school on a saturday um that was going to be like a four-hour, drawn-out scenario. Scottsdale PD, Phoenix PD, MCSO, DPS, uh, Paradise Valley, right? Every, every, like we wanted to include everybody because that's what you get in an active shooter, right? To, to respond. Oh, it was awesome! It the was,
3: response from cops there and everything, personnel from all around the city. Right,
2: and it was a, it was literally a dry run. It was not. It was kicked out to patrol. Like a, they knew it was going to be a scenario, but here's where it is. Respond like you normally respond. Okay, you take it from that.
0: Now you're really making me feel like we've really ruined. <laughs> Wait, so I gotta add more. It, it was more. great. There were
3: <laughs> teachers from the school. Oh inside, gosh, yes. School administrators. Kids. There were kids that were inside for acting as students. We had a made up this. with blood and everything. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. It was an amazing scenario yeah. to set up with our community partners, Scottsdale right. Unified School District, Paw staff, parents, teachers. Months um, of planning. Uh, other months. other <laughs> other agencies, and we responded to that. How we would normally, how we would respond to that in a real scenario, go, Chris.
0: <laughs> so two individuals walked up to the school. Uh, they both had guns. They shot uh, one of our police officers, the officer that was on scene. And uh, right then is when our technician did an outstanding job, located those two subjects, was able to have patrol on go, camera, on camera yep. uh, through the school, through, through the, school, the school cameras. Yep. And uh, which that school only has about 30. Um, and they were able to log. He was able to log in, uh, see where those individuals were, send patrol to those yes. individuals, arrest them. And then there was.
2: Did they arrest case. them? I think you're being a little nice. They, they, they did what they were. they put the suspect down. You're right. OK, go ahead.
3: Yeah. That was a very nice. Yep. Way of that was a very gunfire. nice way
2: to say they engaged I, I, the suspect I, I, with right. the gunfire and they eliminated the threat and moved on to the next one.
0: Well, do you want to share a little bit about what else was <laughs> supposed to happen?
3: It was supposed to be that there was a suspect hiding in a closet that would come out and ambush the officers upon arrival, but based on your cameras, one officer went in and knew exactly where they were at and told every single officer where. And everybody, in the end, it lasted like ten minutes. It was great
2: because it was when the real-time crime center technician came on and it was uh, Marcos Hernandez. Yep. Uh, it was okay. Suspect number one is by building C, wearing this and, you know, moving in this direction. And the responding officers didn't have to guess in a major school complex. They knew exactly where suspect number one was and where they were moving to. And they the, those first responding officers moved to that location, uh, immediately engaged that suspect and simulated gunfire. And again, this is a scenario, simulated gunfire, put that suspect down and then marcos was on okay (laughs) suspect number two is in camouflage he's by the tree center courtyard looks like he's armed with a long gun and they they did an amazing job because i watched this happen live they did an amazing job actually moving across the courtyard using the tree that the suspect was behind as distant cover um and then by the time the suspect real second suspect realized that the officers were there (laughs) and started to engage him in gunfire they put him down quickly and then another part of the scenario was a third suspect was going to gain a uh, force entry to one of the classrooms and hold hostages. And we had all of our officers uh, responding with their normal breaching gear. Yes, we do carry breaching gear. I'm not giving you any secrets, but we uh, responding with breaching gear. But the officers were so quick and getting such timely information from real time that they, uh, they put the third suspect down as he was trying to enter the classroom <laughs> and like, scenario over yeah. actually then, we, we, we did a lot of uh then building clearing uh right. SWAT elements were responding and we did, we, we built that we uh, really did an amazing job in the scenario all of our community partners all of our local other agencies responding did an amazing job at evacuation and reunification and all that so
0: there were some explosive devices that were unaware in the training element that he was able to actually identify along the way as well like there are pipes that are strapped to these buildings or strapped to these trees that look suspicious. And so they were able to send patrol to those locations as well. But yeah, he did an outstanding job. Um, it was, he was, he, he was able to wrap the whole thing up in 10 minutes. I know I had a lot of upset people after that, um, <laughs> it but it was he, great. I was super job. happy
2: and that's, that's all that matters. That's right. That's right. He <laughs> deserves the credit yeah. though. He so does. the officers got all the credit and right. I would
3: have been like, I did this. Right. This was actually right. me. It
2: was, it was awesome to watch right. and awesome to listen to at the same time with uh marcos in real time giving immediate updates okay here's descriptions that way you don't have officers uh first off you don't have officers now wasting time trying to find a a suspect you don't have potentially what's blue on blue with officers coming from different angles from on the on the uh, campus you you know exactly where that it was it was like textbook it was beautiful It it was great and that's how we leverage real to our real-time crime center and our community partners, SUSD and Cave Creek Unified and others throughout the community. God forbid if we have uh, some type of uh, incident like this and it just leverages that technology that I think is incredibly, incredibly important.
1: Chris Henningson has just taken us on a thrilling tour of the real-time crime center. For a deeper dive, nrtcca.org is your go-to. Now let's buckle up for Sergeant Semsis' four reels round. Brace yourself, the real fun begins now.
2: All right, I see we've taken a ton of your time, Chris, but but we still have questions for you. Mm-hmm. So this is the this is the time, and Allison has taken up this mantle where Quan would ask a whole bunch, you know, a handful of really dumb questions. It's all right, uh, I don't know anything. With about Star Allison though, they're going to be Wars they're going to be better. Funny they're going to be actually. This is fun. These are fun. Like quick, uh, a quick way to end and, and uh, close out, which which was a, a really awesome. Um, podcast for us and I really thank you for being here it's been it's been pretty cool Alison, Go ahead.
3: okay so with June and camping season and everything like that and Father's Day coming up name your best dad joke um, and it can't involve a penguin I've been told
2: if my kids were listening right now my kids are all adults but they would they would all they know exactly the dad joke that I'm going to give them right now in fact they're they're going to be reciting it if they listen to this which they don't uh, <laughs> they're going to be reciting this you're going down the street and your pedal falls off. How many frogs are in your oven? None. Because ice cream doesn't have bones. <laughs> what? That's uh, a good one. That's a good one. That's really ridiculous, yeah, actually. Too. Two penguins are sitting on an iceberg. No, one I, one I, falls no, off. No,
3: he can take
0: mine. I don't have one.
2: <laughs> no penguins. Okay. <laughs> we won't do that one. We won't do that one. What's the difference between a duck, true or false? <laughs> Okay, sorry. Go ahead.
3: Uh, I don't even have a response for that one. Okay, next one. Chris, do you have one? I don't. You have to name something.
0: Not off the top of my head. (laughs) Okay, Okay, so
3: then you can answer this one first. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Sure. Why?
0: Bread and there's something inside the bread. No,
2: it's a hot dog.
3: But you can't just use the words in it, Chief, that I said. Like, why is it not a sandwich?
2: Because it's a hot dog. (laughs) I don't understand the question.
3: Is it not a sandwich because it's not round? Of
2: course it's not a sandwich. Sandwich is stackable. Hot dog. Hot dog
3: is stackable. You have a bun and a bun.
2: No, no. That's the It would only be stackable if you turned the dog on its side, the whole bun on its side. Then it could be a sandwich, but that's not how you eat it. Hot dog is a hot dog. Sandwich is different.
3: That was the stupidest question ever.
0: (laughs) That must have been a Quan joke. That
2: was a (laughs)
3: Quan No, that was actually a Sergeant Cerebolic. Oh. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Uh, These two are just kind of what would you rather? Okay. What forest animal would you be and why?
2: Forest animal, bull elk, just the most majestic uh, animal in the forest. Typically the alpha in, the, in any elk herd. And so, yeah, elk, bull elk.
3: I like that answer. I'll take
2: bear. Yeah.
0: You go wherever you want to go, you get whatever you want. Eat, what, eat yeah. whatever you want to
2: so eat.
3: If a bull elk and a bear were fighting, who would win? Well,
0: he is the chief, so he's going <laughs> to win. Bear.
2: Uh,. First of all, I don't think they they wouldn't typically fight. They're both huge animals, but uh, if they did, I would tell you that the elk has a little bit more, uh, I think, in its favor, because especially a mature bull elk has standoff distance with those antlers. Yeah. And so
3: I appreciate that you're really trying to think this through. standoff <laughs> distance, the weapons that he has of his use. <laughs> OK, last question. Um, for camping: tent, RV or glamping? and why? I like RV. Why?
0: It's secure. You know, like a tent. like if You get a good wind. That you're going with the wind. Like, and, and, the bull elk. Yep, the bull elk. You can shut the uh, door with the bear.
2: My wife and I were, prior to me coming back and being the chief, uh, avid backpackers get, like to get into the backcountry. Uh, we do tent camp. Um, but maybe the older I get, the more <laughs> RV sounds great. <laughs>
3: I'm not sure what glamping is. Isn't that glamping an is where somebody
2: else sent no glamping is where somebody else uh, sends sets up a uh, a beautiful tent uh, in the middle of nowhere and then puts a queen bed in it with a wood stove and then serves you there there are actual glamping companies. What wow. would what would you do? Yeah,
3: mm, I would definitely pick the RV. Yeah. Especially because then you can run over the little forest. And what's, what's your forest
2: animal? Because, you know, I'm, Quan answered yeah. these with us. So you have to use. Oh, I a, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Squirrel. Really? Squirrel?
3: Because I can run and hide and eat everything I want. <laughs> nobody pays attention to me. And if I get hit by something like a car, it's just quick and painless. Okay.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> okay. What's your thought on the hot dog?
3: Sandwich. Okay. It's definitely a sandwich. <laughs> Is that That's it? it? That was it.
2: All right, those are some good ones. That was yeah, good. yeah so usually no Quan, Star- Quan Star was about Star Trek or Star. No. I mean, sorry, Star Wars and Millennium Falcon and uh, you know Tatooine and all these weird things. So you don't have to worry about that. Don't worry I don't, I don't even anymore. know what
3: that is.
1: Yeah, I
2: don't even know who Kwan uh, is anymore. And so, uh, Chris, again, thanks for being here. Uh, this is such a great topic because I think uh, the vast majority of people have no idea what we do, how we do it in terms of real time crime center and leveraging some amazing amazing technologies to uh to res- keep our officers safer uh respond uh to to calls for service at least virtually quicker uh and provide an incredible investigative tool for follow-up to really solve crime and pre- and help us pre- prevent crime because when you solve crime quickly um that word gets out there amongst bad guys and they're like eh, i'm not going to they they have too many cameras they're always on me they're so um, amazing amazing stuff and i want to thank you personally for your leadership Um, You've really done an amazing job. And so uh, to everybody else out there, uh, and remember, every day offers each of us the opportunity to be more in the service of others. And I also want to thank Allison for being here. Yeah, it's going to be, I know she just loves this. She loves loves the. She loves the camera and the spotlight and the microphone. And so um, Allison, thanks for being here and and thanks for uh, for taking this job and uh, we're going to do some great things together. Thank you, Chief. Take care of each other. I know I say that all the time. I get a little preachy, but take care of each other. There's a lot of craziness going on. A little bit more patience, a little bit more love, and a little bit more gratitude, I think, uh, will make this world a better place. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, see you next month.
1: And just like that, we've reached the end of episode 22. As Arizona cranks up its impression of a giant barbecue, let's remember one thing. Our kids and furry friends are not hot dogs on the grill let's keep them out of the sizzling car when you leave them take them with you remember to stay safe and cool during these roasting times and prep for a fryer cracker filled yet safe fourth of july for all you need to know about city approved sparklers and kabooms light up your curiosity and visit our social media channels or fan the flames of fireworks on scottsdaleaz.gov until next time keep it cool scottsdale